Hi, I'm Jonathan Mann. And I'm Matt Condon. And this is Digitally Rare, a show about digitally owned things and what that means now and in the future. Oh yeah, the first thing that I want to talk about was this was this uh, Apple. Is it Coinbase? Was that was that who it was? Right, Apple yeah. Coinbase controversy. So do you want to you want to lay it out? Lay it out like yeah. basically what happened. I mean, super quickly. The um, there's a you know Coinbase has uh, acquired Toshi and then renamed it to Coinbase Wallet. So right. it still has all those same functions. One of which was displaying collectibles. Um, and Apple has a kind of testy history with digital things of all kinds, um, specifically yeah. ones that you pay money for because the, obviously right. they want their tax. Um, and naturally, there's a large uh, you know precedent of games you know on the App Store. It's it's actually one of their biggest things. Right. Um, and so those are obviously following the rules. But the you know the question mark is um, what are these crypto collectibles and how do they fit into that picture? Because um, obviously uh, there's a very easy way to get around the Apple tax and that's to use ether. They can't tax right. ether. Right. Um, and so, uh, Coinbase wallet had this, uh, presale for this game that was coming out. Um, Apple took notice and just said, Hey, no. <laughs> yeah. No <laughs> way. Indeed, Jose. Yeah. No way. Jose. So they ended up taking the collectibles tab down, I believe. Um, and this is a, I mean, this is, they have a history of doing this to blockchain things as well. Um, right. They did it to Trust Wallet as well, and so Trust Wallet um, used to have a collectibles tab as well uh, until they got. Well, I think yeah, yeah, they got acquired slash acquired by um, Binance. So um, it's interesting to see what that will turn into as well. So you can, but but you know, I can go on Coinbase on my phone uh -huh. and buy Ether, right. right? Exactly. And Apple's not getting a cut of that. They're not, which is yeah. um, the the. I've been like doing some research into this, but I'm not an expert. Um, but it seems like they have some sort of precedence around currency that they can follow mm -hmm. and that they understand and that the reviewers understand. From your research, have you found other apps that where you do currency exchange or things like that? Um, I mean, I guess there's things like, I mean, Venmo, obviously. Right, Venmo's and, a big and... one. Um, pretty much every game has their in-game gold currency. Right. Um, obviously, you pay the thirty percent tax on the gold, which is um, a very, which is a big, big difference. Yeah. I mean, that's. But the way I think um, Venmo and friends get a, get away with this is so like um, you can also look at things like Spotify um, and the New York Times and um, whatnot, where right. they allow you to purchase their subscription um, uh, on. The device but it's actually it's 30 percent more on the device right to account right. for that tax right. and so right. on spotify if you want to get a monthly thing it's like 15 dollars um, right and so the obvious thing that the rational person does is just goes to their computer and saves five dollar right. a month by using their credit card right um and it seems like that's fine and i'm not sure if that's fine because it's a, a precedent or because spotify and the new york times are just big right. um and things like WeChat as well, uh, on the Venmo side, WeChat and Venmo completely get around this whole, like, uh, you know, they have an internal currency and they use that to send money, uh, that, to transfer value between people and right. Apple doesn't take their cut. Which is even more interesting now that Apple has Apple Pay, right. which like directly, um, Apple Pay between, um, individuals, which right. directly competes with. Well, I think they were just way too late on that regard. Way too late. Way too late. Like, honestly, just years too late. This is a very Apple move. You know, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Apple fanboy from way back. And, mm -hmm. uh, but, but, you know, I'm not above no, Apple, criticizing Apple has... them. This is, this is very typical of them. They're, mm -hmm. you know, and it's even more typical for them to like not be super clear, you know, like mm -hmm. to not, to not tell anybody anything. The rules are very gray. They're very gray, yeah. especially when it comes to the app store. And so, yep. you know, and, and I'll tell you like the thing that annoys me the most, right. In this, in this thing is like, uh, with Kindle books, mm -hmm. you know, I read Kindle all the time. I have to like leave, you know, yes, I have to exactly. like go and I would, I would really love to be able to buy Kindle books right in the app. Right. Course, and the app do doesn't that. let you do that. Exactly. Because then, uh, they're worried Apple would claim their tax. This is a very Apple-y move. Right. And I, I wonder what it means for the future. I mean, you know, with crypto collectibles 
people's mobile is so important. It's so incredibly important. I think I don't um, think they have a chance to survive without mobile. I mean, that that goes for right. literally every new technology is like mobile right. is how you compute these days. CryptoKitties are supposed to be having a like a an a, a mobile app pretty soon, right? Wasn't that like a thing? Yeah, so I, I've used their mobile app. Um, oh, they have one. Yeah, already. I don't. Uh, I'm not impressed. Um, <laughs> it's, can you do everything on the mobile app that you can, can you, can yes, you, can you buy kitties because, and trade kitties? And... Because the mobile app is just a web view to their website. Ah. Um, it's like a very, it's like, it's the same sort of logic that, you know, you put your private key into MetaMask and then you can use the website. Mm -hmm. They basically mm -hmm. just replaced MetaMask with a custom app, which is also exactly what Toshi or um, Coinbase Wallet and Trust Wallet have done as well. So it's a, it's a... Ethereum browser that only works for one app, um, oh. which is the worst kind of medium solution. Um, yeah. But I mean, I understand right. why they're doing that. And then they've got why this. Why like, are they doing that? Why not just make it work with Toshi? Oh, or, branding. Or like some other, right. Branding, marketing. they want to have and, more, more control. Yeah. And they also have this like partnership with a phone maker to put the. Wait, what? To make the app. They have a partnership with. Uh, is it HTC? Whoever's doing the silly blockchain phone who has no business making a blockchain phone. I have not heard about this. Please tell me about this. I want to say it's HTC, but I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up. Yeah. Well, they're making a blockchain phone and all that really means is that it has a secure enclave and supports a bunch of signing, uh, processes. Okay. Here's a quote. Here's a quote from HTC's chief crypto officer. Lord help us. In the new internet, in the new, okay, I'm going to do a voice <laughs> in in the new internet age, people are generally more conscious about their data. This is a perfect opportunity to empower the user to start owning their digital identity. This is speaking your language, man. I mean... The, e the Exodus is a great place to start. The phone is called the Exodus. Okay. The Exodus is a great place to start because the phone is the most personal device. And it's also the place where all your data originates from. My accent is going all over the place. <laughs> I'm I'm excited about the opportunity it brings to decentralize the internet and reshape it for the modern user. Honestly, yeah, like I don't I don't disagree with any of that at the surface yeah. level. Right. Yeah. And and there is and there is a partnership with CryptoKitties. Yep. Uh well, all right. Well, you know, listen, open minds, but um mm -hmm. I I wonder uh yeah, that's not a bad I, I It's not I can't bad. Think of no, this it's not necessarily bad. a bad thing. It's like it's it's I sort of feel like it's probably going to be more like um, getting back to the Apple thing, uh, more like the Apple Rocker phone. Do you remember this? I the don't. phone that they made with with Motorola before they released the phone. Mm -hmm. uh, before they released the iPhone, Apple made a, a phone with um, I think I'm getting this way right. with Motorola called the Rocker, the R O K R. That's really funny. They don't mention this in any of the history textbooks. Oh my God, no. <laughs> and so all that it did is it just was a really ugly Motorola phone, except it could like run iTunes basically. And like you could sync it. It was just horrible. It was like, it was like the worst thing. And Steve Jobs even was on stage anyway. Um, but I have a feeling that this HTC thing is going to be like that, you know, it's going to yeah, be a little bit of like, I'm, just kind of like not quite there. I think it's early by three to five years. I think it, this is a good segue actually into your, because we're sort of getting into your, your big, your big bugaboo. Of, the, of, the identity thing. Yeah. Yeah. Of sovereign, sovereign identities. Like self-sovereign identity is it's, it, the concept has been around for a while, um, it's only been like every every solution up until recently, aka like you know ten years ago, Bitcoin right. um, has been sort of a half solution because the core problem with self sovereign identity is you need to you need to have total control over what's called like access control over an identity. Um, basically, who is allowed to operate on that identity and on behalf of that identity. Right. Um, and so traditionally the easiest way to do this, really, really the only way to do this, um, is to just, uh, you know, have a server. And so you go to twitter.com and, uh, you know, you log in with your password and Twitter knows that, uh, because you have that password, you are the right person. Um, and then right. they show you your timeline and they let you post to your timeline and that's, that's it. That's, uh, that's how identity works. The, key innovation there is getting rid of Twitter's servers 
that do the process of, oh, you have the password, therefore you can operate as Matt. That's, that's what you can replace with something like Ethereum. And that's really interesting because now you have like actual control over the ability to say who you are. Um, where previously, like if I wanted to prove that I'm Matt, I don't say I'm Matt and everyone believes me. What I say is here's my government issued license and then right. they believe me or I log into Twitter right. and then Twitter believes me. Right. And so it's, it's, it's a, it's a complete reversal of power in that sense. Um, no longer am I uh, kind of delegating this authority to someone else. And indeed, we still have to do that in a lot of cases. But um, at the core case of basically attesting to who I am, um, I can do that by my own. And that's, that's self-sovereignty. And that's really interesting because like, it lets you attach your identity to yourself and not at gmail.com. And it right. lets you attach your identity to yourself and not the government of the United States. And it lets you attach your identity to not just a human, but to, you know, some, a collection of humans or a, a brand, or it, it can represent anything, any sort of thing that can be said to have an identity. And we can get very philosophical there. Um, and so you could have, for example, say you're Bill Gates and you want to run the, um, your philanthropical efforts after you die. Like you could attach your identity to this like, uh, you know, decentralized organization, nonprofit that has some sort of rules governing its uh, operation and how it distributes money. And ta-da, like Bill Gates, the identity of Bill Gates is continuing past <laughs> his lifetime and continuing <laughs> his sort of uh, goals and wishes. And that's like, yeah. that's sort of interesting. We had talked about that sort of transhumanism. We, we had, yeah, in the we, first episode. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but yeah, and so it works for like brands as well. And so... If you have, um, you know, this brand identity like Nike or something, all of the people who are allowed to operate as Nike with potentially some different checks and balances, you know, you can manage all of these keys on Ethereum or something. Um, and now you have the ability to say, hey, okay, if we want to post to social media, get, uh, you know, the social media person proposes it and then the VP of whatever like approves it. And like you can start building all of these unique governance mechanisms, basically like how you manage an identity. You can start building those um, at a core level. And so they're kind of plug and playable across all of the different platforms where you might use that identity. On a more personal, like, you know, for, for a single person, it's really useful because you can bring your identity from one thing to another. Um, your, your entire digital experience is affected by your identity. And now you have to do some interesting things to avoid, uh, you know, the dystopian track you everywhere situation here. But the core sort of um, vibe of just like everything you see is a is within the context of your identity is cool. And then you can also, as a side effect of this, simply switch identities, switch digital identities at any time. So you have uh, total um, authority over who you are claiming to be. And so people wow. do this all the time already, like on right. Twitter, they have different accounts or, sure. um, you know, on Reddit, you'll have throwaway accounts and on HN and stuff. And so it's like, yeah. Yeah, I have different. I have the. I have a spam email. Right, you know, exactly. I'm just signing up for like a spam something that I know is going to spam me. I just give it my spam email. Hundred percent, and you can do the exact yeah. same thing with self sovereign identity, and so you can say, "Hey, this is my spam account. Like, I will use this to sign up for all the sketchy stuff. It doesn't have, um, it doesn't have my real name on it. It doesn't have my real birthday. Like, it's just it's junk information." Um, and now you have the authority of saying that, right? It's effectively, you know, log in with Facebook, um, but right. not Facebook. It's log in right. as yourself. And so that's that's really cool. That's really powerful. And so, like, the experience of that ends up being pretty good. Um, it's still, like, very quickly, like, a log in with Facebook sort of scenario, uh, where it's one click and you're done. Um, that was, like, for example, the main issue with all of the previous implementations of self-sovereign identity or really identity that gives more power back to the user is that they sort of um, didn't really <laughs> take the user first or rather they they kind of gave the right. user so much control that it was overwhelming. Right. Um, stuff like OpenID uh, where you would have a federated identity sort of like Mastodon where you would like you would designate um, like Stack Overflow as your identity manager and then log into other sites using this URL that tells them, hey, I'm this person at Stack Overflow. Go ask right. Stack Overflow for my email address. Right. Um, and then it'll go do a permissions flow and stuff. And so that was just too complicated. It was too much. Was... I, remember, I remember trying to do that and, 
and literally being like, yeah, it's too complicated. Mm-hmm. Also, and I, I think you pointed this out in your, that, that you sent me this Google Doc or whatever. And mm-hmm. another thing, another reason Facebook works is because, you know, you you just have that already. You don't have to do anything. Yep. You, you already have this Facebook account. Yep. Um, or this Twitter account, or this Google account, you already have it. You don't have to do any extra work. Totally. It's all about that sort of network effects. I mean, identity as a whole is such a network effect-based thing. Like the value of your identity, or the the value of you using an identity system uh, grows exponentially with the number of people who are also using that identity system. Right. And Facebook did this. uh, I'm sure they stumbled into this. I mean, maybe they saw this ahead of time. But they did this really well, where they provided a service that was good that people wanted called social networking. And then they released connect with Facebook or Facebook connect and people already have Facebook and they don't, they don't think about it, but they, people use Facebook as identity management. You manage your work, your connections, your social graph. Um, but they do it in a fun way. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's actually, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that it's on Facebook servers, which is like the not cool part. I, it's funny because I think before this year, I think that's like, to me, the most compelling and quickest argument that you could make, right? Just totally. Because you can say, it's basically you doing everything that you do on Facebook. Like just imagine Facebook, except they are not selling your data to the Russians or whatever. Right. You know, like, yeah, it's facebook.com, but you're in power. And it's, it's a really compelling idea. I mean, the issue is you can't sell that idea to normal humans. Um, like you can sell that idea to you and me um, and other people in the crypto space because hell yeah, privacy. Um, right. Normal people don't care. And in fact, I find no. myself not caring all the time. Like right. if I go to a coffee shop a lot and they want to take my phone number in exchange for um, a free coffee every 10 visits, yeah. like yeah. I've done that. Like I've, yeah. like yeah. it's, yeah. it's egregious. It's awful, but I've done yeah. it because uh-huh. I like free coffee Yeah. and like, and that's me and I care about this stuff and I'm, I'm hitting myself right now, but it's, it's hard to, to sell privacy to people. And that's why I'm Absolutely. like optimistic about collecting and this digital ownership thing is it's a perfect so- sort of headway uh, into kind of, um, you know, actual utility. It's like, hey, digital scarcity, like you can have scarce digital things. That's actually pretty interesting. Um, and if that is interesting enough to get people on board, then you can give them self-sovereign identity as a side effect of that. And right. so this is actually like, I'm, I'm talking around it, but this is this is what I'm building is this thing called Dot, and it's uh, it kind of combines a lot of those thoughts. And so, like, if you make identity management fun and like not 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 fun, but enjoyable, something that people actually want to do, and then as a side effect, give them privacy control um, and you know self sovereignty. That's that's really awesome. I think that's the way to go about this because it's just going to be so so hard to sell people identity directly and you see that already with every project that's ever existed right um like uport sovereign even blockstack is sovereign having a hard time who else uh, i mean open id like it's just hard to sell identity um, because it's not a problem that people think they have people don't have a problem with passwords i don't know you got to find a different way to get people to use it and facebook did a great job so i don't know how much about how much of dot you want to talk about i read you know you sent me you sent me a little um manifesto <laughs> yeah a thesis yeah a thesis manifesto um do you now so uh, either answer this or don't sure. but like do, so do you imagine it as is it what is it is it like an is it an app yeah i mean the product um it's a mobile app um and it's only a mobile app um but it's you know it's two separate layers it's a it's really just a set of standards for identity uh payments and so on um, and those are not specific to dot. They're just sort of, you know, that's, that's an open system and it's a unique sort of style of social networking. And, uh, we're still, you know, we're figuring that out, but I think it's really compelling. Um, and definitely like it ties in and it, it ties together all of these things that sort of we've been passively thinking about for the past, you know, year and a half has it been a year. Yeah. A year and a half now, just like, how do you create stories? How do you, you know, handle, how do you get identity into the hands of people? Um, How do you give them something they want to do? And you kind of have to dazzle them with utility is sort of the approach that I'm going is like, give them something they want. Um, And 
ignoring the fact that it's on a blockchain and gives you privacy and stuff because that's not a selling point. That's just something you have. So somehow, somehow build a product that is using all of this technology, all of this self-sovereignty enabling stuff um, without actually telling anyone about it. So we'll see. That's, that's going to be hard. <laughs> One fundamental way, and obviously, you know, is, is NFTs, is crypto collectibles. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that's like, as we've said over and over again, like that's one obvious way in. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you definitely agree with that as well with the uh, song a day. I started thinking about like a, like my wish list. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's actually literally been a year for me because I'm actually heading, I'm heading this week on Thursday up to this place called Palmer Rapids, Ontario. Okay. To this place called Lake, uh, Camp Walden, um, which is like, three hours north of Toronto. It's like way the wow. hell up there. Yeah. Um, and it's out in the boonies and you, it's literally a, like a camp and it's this conference where there's like no cell phones and no, the talks are like given by the side of a lake and stuff. Goodness. And like, um, and this is where last year I saw this guy, Ethan Buckman. Uh -huh. Um, do you know him? He's, he's a Toronto blockchain guy. Okay. He, he gave a talk and I, you know, I knew about blockchain and stuff and there was just something, he, his, his, um, I also saw other people talk there about blockchain and it was just, I had the same feeling that I had had all along at that point, which was like, they're talking about, you know, um, I guess one of the founders of Ethereum was talking and I was like, very unimpressed. I was just like, talked a lot about money and, you know, <laughs> investing. I think like I know the, who that was. <laughs> and, and, and all this stuff. And, uh, and, um, but then he got up and talked and he was, his, like the things that he was talking about and the sort of passion that mm -hmm. he brought mm -hmm. to it. Also, he, he, he started his talk by, he like borrowed my guitar and played a song that he had written about, about, uh, <laughs> That's amazing. Blockchain. I was like, and so, and and which you know, which obviously, like, believe me, like, I know that you know, dude with guitar can be super dumb, uh, and but it was really charming, and I really enjoyed it, and so it was funny because the thing that got me when I when I saw his thing was learning about um, proof of stake uh, or proof of work rather, and and how in my mind I was like, well, every day I write the song, and it's like. It's like the work that I put into writing the song. Anyway, right. and so oh, and so yes. there's like some kind of weird thing where I started thinking about song a day as like a a proof of, of work of hundred percent like the work that I've that I've put into to you know songwriting and stuff. And so and so as soon as I got home from this conference, I sent out a tweet like asking if anyone knew anything about blockchain that I, that follows me. And a guy that I had met, this guy Boris Mann. Um, yes. You know, Boris, yeah, who's yeah. gone all in now on, on Ethereum. He's like doing a lot of the, I don't know what he's doing. He's doing like a lot of like the lower level yeah. things. Yeah, um, totally. And, you know, he introduced me to CryptoPunks. And that was like what what launched me on the path was as soon as I saw, as soon as I saw CryptoPunks, like that was the moment where I like totally, my mind exploded. Right. Um and so, and so, you know, the project that I've been working on since then is sort of, sort of, you know, chugging along, tokenizing song a day. And, and so I was, I, I'm working on this blog post about, which is basically like trying to pull together my wish list and what I, and what I see as like the best case scenario mm -hmm. for artists who want to like tokenize their work and sell their work as crypto collectibles. Gotcha. And is this um, like technical wish list or is this experience or a philosophical it's, thing? It's, it's all, it's a little bit of all of that. Okay. Awesome. So these are like my, my top five that I could think of. Okay, cool. Number eight will blow your mind. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, you won't believe what happened <laughs> next. Um, and I should say, I know that some of these are very, um, contradictory like i'm gonna say some things that completely contradict other things that i want and i think that's like that's part of what's interesting you know the first one's really simple it's just provable scarcity right mm -hmm. and and that is obviously very key um but as you know as we talked about with joe it's like with joe looney the pause functionality in ethereum contracts is that is that a problem and the real provable scarcity of your of a digital thing mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. is is core right to the to the thing. So that's right. one thing. So number two is interoperab interoper 
ability. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, like it's really key that whatever the thing is, and this is this is the thing about using counterparty versus Ethereum versus if one were to use um, EOS or whatever. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. I want to live in a world where all of the crypto collectibles somehow can be can work can play nicely together. Yep, totally. You know. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, that goes back to sort of. Um, the ironic trend of centralization is um, right. you get really good interoperability guarantees by having right. a single platform that everything works on. Traditionally, that's like, you know, that centralizes around a central uh, entity, server. a central yeah. server. Yeah. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, with all the different platforms happening now, I think eventually we'll have a, you know, the the universe is expanding, but eventually there will be a big crunch. Will it be? Will it? Be, I mean, is it possible to do it through bridges and things? It or totally like, or, is theoretically. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's like a long way off. It's a ways off. It's also <laughs> complicated from a technical perspective and not really enjoyable from a user interface perspective. Right. Um, so I mean, there's a lot of uh, sort of low hanging um, UX fruit to be handled, and then not so low hanging technical things to be fixed that are still, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, but I, I am optimistic for, you know, there's, there's two separate, you know, competing theses about how this thing is going to play out. Technically it's like, you know, we'll have centralization around one platform or right. we'll have this network of blockchains, this network of networks that, um, you know, you can flow between. And so maybe this network is better at this. So you move your assets over, do your thing and come back. And I think we'll end up with something similar to that using. Yeah. Um, but who knows? I mean, so, so what you're saying is like some people think it's Bitcoin or bust or whatever. It's like some people think that it'll, it'll eventually it'll only be Bitcoin and everything right. will be built on Bitcoin. Basically. Or, or with the flippening or whatever, it'll be <laughs> Ethereum. Right. Or some as yet. Right. Uh, it could be like Ethereum with multiple plasma chains, but everything's like you know, everything's kind of in that ecosystem or it right. could be these cross ecosystem things where you have a bridge from Ethereum to EOS or to Definity and so on. Is it EOS or is it EOS? I could not tell you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so you got, so this is interesting, right? So, okay. So you got provable scarcity, scarcity inter interoperability. Yep. Um, a big one is, is, and it's, this is a really difficult one, is residuals, right? Okay. It's just ludicrous that, that an artist will sell their work to a buyer and it goes for, you know, $100,000 or something. And then 10 years down the road, it's worth $10 million and that artist gets nothing right. for right. that sale. So, um, right. and, and I think if you just, if you take that in the fine art thing, I think if you take it. Um, all the way down to just like what I'm trying to do with my silly little songs or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I want to be able to, and this, you know, obviously this gets into like, is, is this a, um, a, what do you call it? A security or a dividend or whatever. But like, Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You want to be able to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Like exactly. If like, if 10 years down the line, I'm much more famous than I am now somehow. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And song a day number one, which originally sells for a hundred dollars goes for, you know, a million dollars. I want to be able to totally enjoy the fruits totally of that. and and blockchain is uniquely set up to do totally. this and Through the auditing and yep, yep but as i understand it you know that's also something really difficult to do with interoperability mm -hmm. um tommy nichols of of uh of rare like always says whenever i bring this up he always says to me that those two things are very much in conflict How so? that that um, I'm not sure that I can totally explain sure. it. I was hoping that you would have some insights, okay. but like, so super rare, right? They do, they have basically the artists on super rare get 30% mm -hmm. or something like that back of every sale of their mm -hmm. work. And those, I'm not sure if super rares, uh, art can live on, can, can be on rare bits for that reason. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because they might um, require that a transfer and yep. Okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So that's the sort of right. like ecosystem, like I want them to live in the ecosystem, but I guess it's difficult for the mm -hmm, mm -hmm. residual model to follow totally. the collectible through different um, right. places in the ecosystem. Right, yeah, the entire ecosystem would have to understand that model if it changes the technical sort of implementation. Because I believe, I'm just guessing at this point, but I'm, I'm guessing the super rare contract requires that to call transfer from, you have to send it ether. Um, mm -hmm. which, uh, obviously like something like ribbits would, wouldn't do, they would just transfer. Cause there are no fee, right? right? Exactly. Or, yeah. Right. But again, I'm just giving you like my, my platonic ideal. <laughs> for, 
like uh, continuous royalty, these residuals, I think, I think now is actually the time for that. At least, you know, now being, you know, the next span of 10, five to 10 years, like historically, um, it hasn't really worked. Uh, in, in fact, in like 75, 1975, there was a, you know, a small movement that said, hey, we should do a 15% continuous royalty for artists. And so it was a little thing that you could sign to, you know, as an artist, abide by this thing. And then when you sold something, you would like make sure the seller was okay with this. Ended up not, you know, succeeding, even though artists obviously kind of want this. And the theory, or at least the, this blog was postulating, artists were um, disassociated from the monetary side of their work. And there was this sort of philosophical separation between the two, where the artist right. is not supposed to be doing it for the money. Caring, right. right. Absolutely. But I think that's changing. There's, there's, another, there's another side of that, too, which is that artists um, were, were, were bred both, both to, to downplay that because mm-hmm. if you care about the money, then you're like a sellout or whatever, right. but also were also taught in our society that art is not valuable. Mm, mm-hmm. And so, and so it's really easy. It's really difficult to value one's work. Right. right totally. I'll give you, I'll give you a quick, I'll give you a quick story. This is okay. a story that I tell that I give this talk. And this is like part of the story It's basically like, um, during the iPhone four antenna gate hullabaloo that happened in 2010, mm-hmm. Apple used my video to open a press conference Oh, wow. Uh, like, I made this song, like, defend... It was about the iPhone 4, and it was, like, defending them, and Steve Jobs comes up on stage after my song plays and is like, we found that on the internet this morning. Couldn't help but want to share it. Holy shit. Yeah, so this happened, right? This is the whole thing. This happened. But the point of the story is that... You got nothing from that. Well, I did. So so later on, so later on I'm on the phone with this guy from Apple uh-huh, PR, uh-huh. And, and he's literally asking me, like, just mere hours before my song... Steve Jobs had introduced my video and he's asking me, what do you want? Like, like the PR guy from the largest, one of the largest multinational corporations in the world is asking me <laughs> after the, after, after the fact, the fact. We, after the fact, like, like there's no taking it back right. now. Like, what do you want for your song? Right. And, um, you know, it was 2010, I was 27 and, uh, um, the iPad had just come out. <laughs> I can see where this is going. And it was, you know, the iPad was $500 and that's like a lot of money and I didn't have enough, you know, I really, really, really wanted one. And so rather than ask for anything else, no, like literally, all I asked for was an iPad. Oh my goodness. Um, and I, and I, I, I often use this story to illustrate like, and, and, uh, and it's a constant struggle, like to 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 value. Right. I you know that was me not valuing my right. work, despite having like one of my you know personal yep. heroes, yep. like like introduce my video or whatever. That was the most validation possible. Exactly, and and and, yeah. and yet and yet all I could ask for was an iPad. By the way, in the in the years since, like I've thought about like what. Like what should I have asked mm-hmm. for, right? Like, well, yeah, I don't know. What, um, what what are your thoughts? Well, so 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 the 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 the, the two the two, the my number two, my two biggest contenders mm-hmm. have always been one. Um, this is a very practical thing to like let me come give a talk at Apple uh-huh, uh-huh. because I make my living I make my living a lot right now doing public speaking, right. and and so having like a video like a really well done video of me like giving a talk at yep. Apple. And performing at Apple would be like huge marketing materials mm-hmm, for me. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, on a purely like uh, sexy Apple uh, devices, I was like, how about <laughs> just like any time any new hardware ever is released, you just send right. it. Right. Just, just ship it that's, over. That's what I should have asked for. Because seriously, what's the, you know, right. it's like no skin off their back to send, like to send, you know. Uh, they probably they do that for a lot of people. totally so for a lot of like journalists and things so that's that would have been I, good it's I, like I, it's like one of those like you know a cereal box a week sort of situations i regret it every day i regret this. well yeah. i think like during that story i i i, I mean i definitely <laughs> i definitely had some feelings <laughs> um but i think like what we're talking about i really feel the shift the potential of you know yeah. the the fact that it's okay to value art 
the fact that absolutely it's okay to be associated with the monetary upside of your art the sort of colloquial you know better understanding of how artists should be uh, rewarded and how art is valuable. I think the, the, the rare people do a good job with their slogan, the artists deserve yeah, more. Artists deserve more. Very yeah. good. I, I like that a lot. So my number four is low slash predictable fees. Yep. Predictability is a big one. Yep. If I think about people um, interacting with my songs this way, I want them to know that... It's not going to cost $5 to send it to someone else on a random Tuesday. I think that's, I think that's huge. It completely destroys usability. Yeah. Yeah, I worry about the ecosystem when when things like that happen. You know, it's like if things get if if the whole thing gets really popular and a lot of people are using it and suddenly the fees are super yeah. high, that it kills yeah. it. You know, just kills the momentum, it kills totally. everything. Like, yeah, that's a great point actually. It does really kill the momentum. Um, you know, it's yeah. like it's like as soon as as soon as something gets really popular it gets knocked back and the down. network gets super it gets knocked back down because you know, fuck that. I'm not going to, yeah. I'm not going to spend all that money. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to wait for the fees to come down and then it's like, and then why? Yeah, totally. That's actually, that's such a great point. That's, that is hilarious that the success of something will doom it. Um, will doom it. Yeah. That's actually incredible because so many of these things are network effect based. Like FOMO 3d exactly. is like, you won't play FOMO 3d unless everyone else is playing. And like CryptoKitty, it's like you won't play CryptoKitties unless you have someone to flip your kitty to. But if everyone else is playing. (laughs) Right. Oh my goodness. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's that's a really great um, realization. And so, yeah, totally. I think the gas model is, it's the simplest solution to this, the problem, the technical problem they're solving, um, which is Mm -hmm. you can't really use other people's computers for free. Um, And there is a value associated with the time at which you use that computer. Um, And so they, you know, that's, that's what they've done is said, you know, it costs time plus uh, however much computing you're doing. Um, And that makes a lot of sense. Um, And they're exploring different models for gas. And like EOS has a very interesting one where it's like the contract is supposed to pay for itself um, sort of situation. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the more things, one of the things I'm more optimistic for is this concept of um, basically a data plan for paying for gas. Um, oh. and I think I talked about this before, but this is something we do all the time anyway, is we have a TV right. subscription, we have a Netflix and we watch as much Netflix as we want. Um, and we have a movie pass and well, we see where that got them, but, right. um, yeah, right. we have a, a phone bill and you know, sometimes it's all, all included and sometimes it's pay by the gigabyte and right. you can do the exact same thing with gas. And so you have businesses now whose job is to hedge against gas prices. Right. Um, and build a business where ideally they have margin because their users use less gas than they estimated for. Or maybe they just charge by the gas and, you know, bill you with your credit card at the end of the day. Um, right. There's a real market for that, I think, in terms of like assuming there is demand to use Ethereum like that. Um, is there a sort of side chain solution to this? Oh, yeah, certainly as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of different things. Would yeah. you, would like, would you, and, and would you use a side chain to like basically, do a bunch of transactions and then, and then do them and then put them all on Ethereum all at once. Is that sort of how that would Basically, work? Basically, like, yeah. That's I'm, actually yeah. That's a great way to describe it. Yeah. Um, so, so instead of paying instead of paying the gas for each individual transaction, right. you sort of bundle. Right. Them exactly. And then, yeah, it's hmm. pretty much. Um, I mean, there's a there's a technical description for this, but I think the best way of describing it is instead of um, instead of paying, for example, basically instead of paying as you go. You kind of batch up all of your things, um, right. minimize all of their changes. So say you have like, say you want to add like 70,000 numbers together. Instead of saying, you know, one plus one plus one plus one for 70,000 times, right. you just add them all up. And now you just have one number and that's way smaller. Right. It's way, it's all the right. information you need. And then you put that onto Ethereum. Right. You could take your collectibles and bring them over to a side chain, trade them around, have, you know, hundreds of people on the side chain trading them back yeah. and forth. This, this, yeah, this person is bought from this right. person. I've like posted a new, I've posted a new collectible. Right. Someone else has, you know, whatever. Yeah. All that happens. On the side and chain. then maybe it's something like, like at the end of the day or something. It right, all at the end of the day and, or even never. Like that's actually one of the more interesting things is that, that once is you start yeah. treating Ethereum as a settlement chain, and you'll see this happening yeah. in Bitcoin with the Lightning Network right now, is Bitcoin with the Lightning Network is effectively a settlement chain. It's 
having so what does that um, mean yeah sorry i should explain that um having a lightning the people that make lightning won't like my term here but it's basically a <laughs> cryptographic iou for future hmm. bitcoin ah oh, um, i see but having a cryptographic iou is just yeah. as good as having real bitcoin <laughs> yeah. And sure. so why would you ever need to redeem that if you can then trade why would that? It even need to, it's the right. same sort of logic we use to go from gold to the dollar bills. We right. have gold. We, now we make an IOU for the gold. And oops, well, we don't need the gold anymore um, because you can trade the IOUs. And so, um, I mean, Lightning won't have that property where you disassociate from gold because obviously it's tied to Bitcoin. But the same sort of mechanic happens where you don't need to go back to the previous thing. Um, unless something goes wrong, unless you need to like bug out and take your gold with you. Um, and so the same thing is going to happen to Ethereum, uh, but not just yeah. for currency, for arbitrary yeah. things. Collectibles. Yeah, collectibles. So my, my, my final uh, thing on the wish list, so we have provable scarcity, interoperability, residuals, the fees issue. I call it low slash predictable fees. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the final one is future proofing. Mm. So, so these, these are this is my platonic ideal of a of a crypto collectible includes some kind of simple and cheap way. Yep. I know that you can only have with like three <laughs> things, right. but Pick um, the triangle. um, uh, to, to make sure that like you know, in five years, is the crypto non is the NFT standard still gonna be? On Ethereum, is it still going to even, is it going to be right. ERC-721? Probably not. Right. Like, and you can already see this happening with CryptoPunks being left behind. You know, and, and I don't want that to happen. Yep, I totally. want I want, you know, Song of Day number one to be able to be Song of Day number one. Forever. Uh, forever. And whoever owns that can do, you know, the value will stay with it um, throughout. Yep. And so it, it becomes imperative that, um, I mean... So CryptoPunks could, I guess, it would be really expensive and difficult, but they could mm -hmm. convert everything to 721 yeah. and, you know, move it all over to that standard. It would be really hard it would be, and difficult. Yeah, very hard. They could do it. Yeah, it's definitely a triangle, pick two sides thing, right? Right. Um, I don't know what the sides are, but for example, like you could still get, you know, provable scarcity and self-sovereignty, like user really owns their stuff. But right. when you want to like move to a different side chain and say like, this is the new standard, you have a very expensive process. Yeah. Um, you could also like centralize control and say, Hey, um, I'm allowed to migrate the contract. And so now you pay out of pocket, but, and it's, you know, it's done much faster. Yeah, no, that's just a hard problem. It's really interesting. It's, yeah. it's very hard. And that's, that's kind of the issue with open ecosystems and, especially right. ones that are currently like actively evolving. It's a really unfortunate does the it's the opposite of what you want, right? Like these platforms need to build things that last for a while to, you know, sell their vision. It's like, hey, yeah, it's a blockchain that exists forever. Um right. but, but history has shown that they don't. Um <laughs> yeah. and you have to like when you build something on a network, you're effectively investing in that network's future. You are uh really attaching the success of your project to that network. And so absolutely, it's yeah. like, it's definitely an issue. And I think this is the main driver for some projects launching their own networks is because it's the most uh, sort of um, agnostic thing you could do. Yeah. Um, for example, Handshake is this um, DNS replacement. Um, it doesn't really, uh, I mean, it, it has a lot of clever tricks, but it, as far as I know, and again, I'm not an expert, um, the core functionality is still solvable by something like the ENS, which is built on Ethereum. By building on Ethereum, you kind of uh, implicitly, in. yeah, you lock yourself into this and you lock yourself into whatever decisions the Ethereum Foundation makes or whatever decisions the community makes. Right. And so it's like uh, the most, you know, the simplest, most agnostic thing is to just run your own. And then you don't have to worry about that anymore. Right. So it's, it's, a, it's definitely a, a really interesting kind of... Um, balance is, is all of these people building platforms and um, the kind of the people who want to build on a platform uh, not being able to choose um, yeah. because of this of course, uncertainty. Yeah. I mean, of course, building your own, right. Then you get into the interoperability issue. Totally. hundred percent. Right? Like suddenly you, suddenly you're completely siloed. Totally. Like if I want to resolve a uh, handshake names on Ethereum, can't do it yet. Can't do Just it. Just can't do it. Like maybe someday, maybe in the future, but 
And that that's like one of the benefits of ENS is smart contracts can understand it. Um, right. Like you can use a smart contract to register ENS names and it's all part of this, it's all part of the same network. So it's interoperable. You know, but I can't, I can't help but just feel like in like five years or certainly 10 years, we're going to be like, <laughs> remember Ethereum, you know, <laughs> or, or like, like, I like, I, Maybe not, and maybe and maybe it'll be totally different from that. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and like you said, maybe it's going to be like a whole galaxy of chains that are all in Ethereum maybe, among yeah. them. But 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 you know, just based on my just having lived now through you know like like I I'm the how old are you? You're I'm twenty four. Twenty four, right? So I mean, people always talk about, but it's like Friendster. Like I yeah. I was I was right. I was right in the middle of the Friendster storm, you know, gotcha, and, yeah. and it was like, it was amazing. And it was like life changing at the time uh-huh. to like collect all my friends. And then, uh, the biggest thing on Friendster that like just blew our minds was like seeing the, the, um, degrees of separation. Yeah. It was like, it was like, Oh, how are we all connected? Mm-hmm, it was like, mm-hmm. and, and it would show you that. And it was just like yep. mind blowing, yep. you know? Cause that's something people like doing you know, anyway, in person, it's like, anyway. Oh, you know, this person. Exactly. Yeah. And it was just, it was just, it was amazing. And then, and then one day MySpace came and then, and I can't help but feel like we're in that, we're in that zone. Totally. You know? Totally. Um, yeah. I mean, like if you built an app for MySpace and I'm sure people did, like, where did oh, that yeah. get you today? Yeah. Nowhere. hundred percent. Yeah. Platforms are, are really hard. Like it, it's such a, it's such a momentum, like network effect, effect based thing. Like stuff like the App Store is, I mean, the App Store is probably a shining example of a platform that will probably stick around for ages. But yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's a hard thing. Look how centralized that is. That's like the, it's like a paragon of centralization. Totally. You know, it's like the, the, uh, the centralization boogeyman is, <laughs> is the App totally, Store. Totally, yeah. You know, they're like, the, they're the monster that everyone points to is like, we don't want to be this. Exactly. But, and yet, and yet, and yet, you know, yeah, exactly. It's been 10 years and, and it seems likely that it'll be around for another 10. Although, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, we'll see. Know, I mean, that blockchain phone could really come in strong. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, oh, with Ethereum, it's, I mean, with any of these platforms, it's, it is very much um, sort of a race against time. My, I think I, I, like a half a year ago, I had, I had been asked this question. It was like, what's the yeah. percent chance of Ethereum being around 10 years from now or being, yeah. you know, used in a non-trivial uh, way 10 years from now? And I think I put it at like 10 to 20%. There's always going to be new stuff being built and there's always going to be people trying to take down the uh, current winner. And Ethereum has this head start of two to three years of developer mindshare. Um, they have a really good philosophy behind them. Um, like definitely in comparison to people like EOS or Definity who are kind of coming in with this like VC infused military sort of vibe. But I mean, Ethereum is trying to solve their own problem. Certainly. Yeah. So, so like you said, it's a race against time. It's just who's gonna, yeah, I mean, Ethereum solve the problems and get the, get the mind share. Totally. Keep it. Totally. And like two to three years is a great head start. But I mean, if you think about parabolic, or not parabolic exponential curves yeah. like it's uh, you yeah. know it's just the beginning it could be nothing right yeah and i mean joe joe would i hear joe in the background saying, yeah you know, but but bitcoin <laughs> you know um, yeah yeah <laughs> but counterparty but bitcoin, joe yeah <laughs> um which is fair totally. you know because because totally so um, i think counterparty is in an interesting position of being really old tech that doesn't have mind share right. behind it um, right. And I say really old. I mean, it's like a year or two. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think there's definitely an opportunity for um, just counterparty, but rewritten to like come in yeah. and be like, what up? It's all the digital assets. Um, and right. we piggyback off of either Bitcoin or Ethereum or, um, yeah. you know. So- and take all the lessons learned. Exactly. And, and just, yeah. 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 No, it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard question, this platform problem. And the future proofing is just not gonna resolve itself anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what the f I'm going to do, honestly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm 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 near I'm nearing the point where where the the functionality of what I'm building um is basically, you know, the the, the it's a site that works exactly like CryptoPunks. You can search through my song. The first year of my mm-hmm, songs mm-hmm. 
you can of of song a day, three hundred sixty five songs. You can search through them in a way very much like you search through CryptoPunks by different attributes and tags of each song, and each song has an image associated yep. with it. Um, and so all of that is now functional. Um, and so it's at this point. Oh, you know what we should do? Yeah, you should um, let people put in dates that are special to them and use that to look up a song. Yeah, totally. I mean, so for right now, it would have to be just 2009. Right, okay. I only have the first year. 2009 was a but, good year. Uh, if if there's a, if there's a date in 2009, that is a good idea. Like, um, But you know, you can do that right from the, I mean, right from the uh, Totally, page. yeah. You can, sort, you can sort by day, you can sort by um, topic, you can sort okay, by cool. location that the song was written. Um, you can sort by my mood on that day. Oh, very good. Um my plan basically is to take this site and, you know, share it with all the folks that I've met in the mm-hmm, space mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and try to figure out what, the, try to figure out how I'm going to do it because, you know, uh, the, uh, like you're saying, I was going to have to, at this, if I'm going to do it now and I want to do it now, you know, because I want to, I want to do it now. I want to do yeah. it. Um, da, 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 I'm going to have to make trade-offs. 100%. Like I'm, I realize I'm not going to get everything on this list. Um, and I have to figure out, gosh, am I going to have to leave residuals on the table in order to do this? Am I going to have to forgo future-proofing and just hope that there's going to be a way? Am mm-hmm, I going to have mm-hmm. to just deal with the gas fees versus being on a side chain? Right. You know, so th- these are, this is the, I'm I'm really coming up to this point where, um, and I feel like I'm in a different position than a lot of people because a lot of folks are building, you know, they're building all these different crypto collectible things. We see new ones every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but for me, this is song a day. This is my life's work. I, 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 I want to be able to tokenize it once and never do it again. Right. Totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting a feeling for that. It's, it's so incredibly personal. It's, it's very much a life's work and it's, yeah, that's so serious. I want to do it right. Yeah. And I don't want to, I don't want to mess it right. up. That's, that's sort of the, the spot, the, the spot that I'm mm-hmm, in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's a tough, tough, uh, tough set of questions. I mean, every, every project has to answer them. It's a tough road to hoe. Um, all right. So that's about an hour and a half. That's good. I mean, um, Matt on Twitter is, Matt G. Condon, yep. uh, and I am Songaday Man. Please find us on iTunes and give us a rating and a review. Hit us up on Tune. Give us some notes. Yeah, we yeah. have the notes on Tune. I don't know. Uh, it's pretty, it's, I swear to God, it's it's really effective. Yeah, I like those numbers just keep going up. I love it. <laughs> it's really yeah. nice. And uh, yeah, we will see everyone uh, next yeah. time. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for stopping by. Rare.